Pulp MX Network production. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store bought tank, flip flops, and cut off jeans. Somewhere between that. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's industry seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Bass Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Grandstone Boots, and Fly Racing. Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas. It is Monday, February 6th, and we just watched Houston Supercross, and we haven't been to Houston in a couple of years, not since the uh, the residency, as they were called, three rounds in a row to kick off the 2021 season, and uh, yeah, it, it had felt like we hadn't been there in a minute. Um, thinking back on the series then, there was a lot of like nostalgic moments because the world was so different then. Um, also remember that was right around the uh, January 6th ordeal was, had, had just happened. It was, it was a crazy time in America, um, not only for, for our little sport here, but for just everything in general going on. And uh, lots of change has gone on for the better since then. You know, I've, forget politics, but just the sports back to normal and the world and, you know, no COVID protocols and there was fans in the stands and all kinds of good things. Uh, before we talk about this race in particular, let's thank the, uh, the sponsors of this podcast. Pirelli Tires is, uh, of course, the title sponsor and has been since the very beginning. Thank you to them. And they have uh, so many great new products out there. Um, you have had a bunch of guys out there this weekend uh, great showings from several of uh, of the Pirelli riders kickoff of the 250 East, and uh, that brought a whole new group of Pirelli-equipped riders. So congrats to all of them for doing so well. Um, and yeah, man, if you haven't gotten the chance to check out Pirelli's, for most of you that ride you know, motocross, I personally don't think that there's a better tire out there. Um, I've gotten to test and use them for a very long time. And uh, yeah, they're just, it's a great overall product. Uh, it, to me, it's not a mystery why, you know, most of the MXGP teams all pick Pirelli and they kind of scratch their heads at all of the uh, the riders and teams that don't use them in America. Because uh, I, I think the Supercross thing comes into play. Um, you know, they haven't had as much development over time as some of the other brands for Supercross, namely uh, one. Um, but for motocross, which is what affects all of you. I simply don't think there's anything out there that's uh, that's quite as good. So check that out. Palm Creek Funding, uh, they are licensed in California, Colorado, Nevada, Texas, and Florida. Rates have come down a little bit, so uh, given everybody a little bit of an opportunity as housing prices have come down too, so we're kind of in a little bit of a better area than we were a couple months back. Um, I got to see Zach Morris, who is uh, your man over at Palm Creek Funding. Plum Creek Funding. Got to see him this weekend. Uh, he has a... Uh, has residents in the Houston area and was there with a bunch of his friends watching the race. And uh, yeah, if you have any questions, definitely reach out to Zach. And uh, as I always say, maybe it's not the right time to buy right now for you, 
But if you think there may be something like that on the horizon, it, it can't hurt to get more information and just get a better picture and understanding of kind of what the, uh, the housing market looks like and what it may look like in the next six to 12 months. Guts Racing, they have exploded into the e-bike market with seat covers and they will have full seats as well for all the e-bikes out there. Of course, they're still in the power sports market, sponsor of Rockstar Husqvarna. They make all kinds of graphics and seat covers for everyone. Uh, just a great product, great company, and uh, very exciting. And I'm proud to be uh, associated with a great company like Guts Racing. Pro Glow Wash, uh, those guys, Ryan, I'm, I was hoping Ryan would be there this weekend. Didn't get to see him. Uh, they're based over in Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, yeah, if you have any sort of power sports uh, vehicle, side-by-side -side dirt bike, street bike, uh, probably e-bike too. E-bike's the same, right? Um, anything that's getting dirt on it, chain lube, uh, you want to get Proglow Wash, something that's formulated for power sports and can get all of that muck and grime off of your, uh, yeah, whatever bike or side-by-side -side you may have. Works Connection have been with me since almost the very beginning. They have been pushing the, uh, the Yamaha foot peg mounts that Chris Kiefer developed and Obviously, the Yamahas are pretty dialed in, but this is only going to make them better. Uh, improves the uh, the rider triangle a tiny bit. Of course, we can't forget about the uh, the Pro Launch Start device there too. So check out Works Connection, TL Speed Shop, Group in Wickenburg, Arizona. Uh, Jason Cobb and crew go to Sedona. You can go to Baja. They have a full catered side by side vacation type experience, and uh, looking forward to seeing those guys when I get down to Glendale. Fast Foundry can help you with any large or small business need. Get yourself more efficient, get your business more efficient, and be prepared for whatever may come in 2023 because things are pretty volatile out there. International Vet MX Series used to be called the Old Timers Motocross Series. Uh, Jimmy Harris and the crew, they are their first events coming up a couple months away uh, in Sandy Valley, Nevada, and uh, that'll be the first weekend in April. So definitely want to go there tons of track time, live music, all kinds of great things over the course of the weekend. And uh, just it's a, you know, lots of dirt bike enthusiasts, a lot of vintage racers, but they're all there to have a good time. And they, uh, you know, they offer a lot more track time than I think most races do. So that's a, that's a really cool thing to be a part of with the International Vet MX Series. Grantstone Boots, of course, I got some new ones. I, I mentioned last show that I was waiting on them. Actually, they showed up while I was gone. Got those, wore some of them last night, and they always have me, uh, have me looking really nice when I go out on the town. And last but not least, can't leave out uh, Fly Racing. Thank you to Fly Racing for always, uh, always having my back, and I'm actually at the office as we speak. As for the racing itself this weekend, pretty great racing across the board, really. You know, there wasn't a, much of a battle at the front of the 250 class, but um, otherwise, I thought it was a really entertaining uh, debut for the 250 East and the 450 class. Yeah, we'll get into, but man, what a, uh, what a night storylines everywhere. And, uh, it's hard not to be, you know, super into, um, the 2023 series. Like there's just been a lot of good racing, a lot to unpack. Um, a lot of, I wouldn't say unpredictability in the, in the 450 class because Tomac's been so good, but it hasn't felt like the dominant years, like when Rick, you knew Ricky was going to win or you knew McGrath was going to win or you knew Villapoto was going to win. It doesn't feel like that to me right now, even though maybe it should. Maybe we should be leaning more on Tomac's uh, dominance, but it, it just feels like he could be beat. And uh, we'll get into that. But let's talk 250s. You know, Hunter Lawrence wins. Really close call. 
at the beginning where Vial kind of scrubs to his left. I don't know if he didn't know that Hunter was there or maybe he thought he had more room, but Hunter almost, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say ended his series, but almost ended his night going in between lanes at pretty high speed. Uh, could have crashed super easily there, but uh, figured it out, saved it, and went on to uh, went on to win the race. And he kind of, I use air quotes, like he feels like the guy, like to me, someone's going to have to go in and actively take this series away from him because he just feel like he, he feels like he has the momentum. He feels like he is on a roll kind of, he's got multiple runners up, you know, third place, then runners up in both this series and motocross series. So he's on the right track. And when you don't have to go up against jet, you don't have to go up against Christian Craig. You don't have to go up against Colt Nichols. You don't have to go against Justin Cooper. Like you're just running out of, you know, elite competition that he has to deal with. And if I have to pick who who's going to win between he and, you know, Jordan Smith or Nate Thrasher or take your pick and Steve, of course, I'm going to pick Hunter. So to me, he is the odds on favorite, uh, maybe for the first time ever in a championship, he is the odds on favorite to win this thing. The other guys will be good. Uh, you know, Anstey was really impressive. Incredible day. You know, there's rumors floating around out there that he was protested for some engine stuff. I haven't had confirmation of that. So take that for what you will. I don't even know if it, the protest is legitimate or not, uh, but there is a rumor out there. But as for how Max rode, he was incredible. Like That's the best I've ever seen him ride Supercross, and it's really not close. So good job to him. Good job to the Firepower Honda guys. I know they were you know, over the moon about his effort. He was fastest in both qualifying sessions. Uh, so yeah, really good sign of things to come for uh, for him and that team. Jordan Smith was third. I mean, stop me if you've heard this before, but Jordan was super fast and he crashed. Um, you know, I will give him credit for being resilient and fighting back to third place. But you also have to take into account that, that these crashes have been ongoing. Like they've just been a thing for Jordan. And if he wants to win this championship, which he wants to, there's a lot of people saying that he can and he will. I'm not there because he's he crashed. He simply crashes too much for me. Um, and you only have eight races to get it done. So do I think he wins a race? Probably. Do I think he gets podiums? Yes, he's already got one. But I just don't know that he's going to be there week in and week out. I, I think he's going to leave the door open and give Hunter easy points, right? I'm not talking about where they go heads up and whoever be two. I'm talking about the nights where Jordan's on the ground and Hunter's cruising around 25 seconds in front of him. Th those are nights that are really difficult to overcome in half of a, as long of a series as the 450 guys have. Uh, Hayden Deegan, incredible job getting fourth place. I personally think he shut a lot of people up on Saturday. There are a lot of people saying that he wasn't going to be great, you know, wasn't going to get it done after his futures kind of nightmare, for lack of a better word, in uh, Anaheim 2. And, yeah, you could say he had a bunch of close calls and probably should have crashed. I would probably agree, but in the end, he didn't. The important part is he did not. Now, moving forward, he needs to back it down a little bit because those are, to me, the way he was going about it is unsustainable. You're going to crash if you are on the edge as much as Hayden was. And you saw it all day. He crashed multiple times throughout the day. But when it counted, when the points were handed out, he didn't. He was able to save it. So lots of positives to take away. Um, but if you want to be a naysayer, then you could point to, yeah, well, he's there's no way he can keep that up. And maybe, maybe they're right. You know, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out, but maybe there's something to that. J Mark, 
I expected more. Uh, that's just being brutally honest. I expected more. It could have been worse. Wasn't a bad finish, but I really thought he could be a dark horse to win. You look at when he's been healthy and when everything's kind of aligned for him, he runs at the front. He's a podium level guy. Now he's crashed. He's been hurt. Literally anything you want to point to over the course of his career in Supercross that could go wrong has. But I'll go back to when things are good, he is also very good. So I'll look for him to improve. And maybe it was just a little bit rusty. Wasn't, you know, quite firing on all cylinders. He did have a, a mis- big mistake there in the middle of the main event. So, um, yeah, maybe he'll be better in Tampa and, and kind of be where I thought he would be. Michael Mosman, kind of the same thing. He should be better than this. You look over the course of his last year, maybe two, he has been much better than what he showed us on Saturday. So I think he believes he should be champion in this class. He did not show us that in Houston. So I know the team wants more out of him, and I'm sure he's disappointed with how he rode himself. And I'm looking for him to have a bounce-back ride uh, going to Tampa. I think he'll come in really – angry and frustrated and ride with a lot of emotion instead of like nervousness where he, I think he looked nervous in Houston uh, coming in, knowing that he was capable of winning a title. I think he'll flip that and use that as fuel to ride much better. You you know, kind of ride with a vengeance versus like, you know, just tight. We hear that word all the time in this sport, but I think he really was riding tight. Tom Bial, super impressive. You know, you got to think about he didn't grow up riding the Supercross championships in France and, and that normal path of like the Sorby, Rancada, Villeman. He didn't do all that, right? He was focused on motocross. He was focused on the MX2 championship, EMX, then MX2. And he won two titles there. So he had a bit of a different path. And for him to come in and pick up Supercross this quickly and do this well, this fast, uh, it says volumes about what he will be able to do. Now, he does need to get better in the whoops, and that's going to be a challenge for him. Um, you could watch him throughout the day and night and see it was a weakness. You could see that there was a vulnerability there. And I think Tampa whoops will be, t- will be really tough. They almost always are. So maybe that rears its head again in Tampa for him. But the tracks where we don't have that, if we go to like Detroit or Indy or, um, you know, New York, pick rounds where the whoops break down. You can jump them. You can blitz them. They're not really that difficult to get through in the main event. I could really see Vial being a factor. Now, is he going to win? I don't know. You know, that that's asking a win out of him is a lot. But given his good starting ability, you know, factory bike, he's a proven winner, like, worldwide. Um, I, I think those nights where the track suits him, he's, he's going to be on the podium, or at least in contention for a podium. Uh, so we'll see if I'm right or wrong on that. But I, I was I left very, very impressed with what we saw from Tom. Last ride I wanted to mention here was uh, Chance Hymas. And great starts, great heat race, great qualifying sessions. Uh, the main event, he did get shuffled back a little bit, you know, and there's no other way to kind of say it. Um, it was a good result. I mean, I think anybody, if you said, hey, your first Supercross ever, you're going to get eighth, would you take that? Of course you would, right? Like, Maybe not James Stewart or somebody, but this isn't James Stewart. We're talking about a kid who was an underdog for most of his amateur career, and he was a late bloomer, gets a factory ride at Honda, and I'm sure he felt a ton of pressure to perform this weekend because look at the team he's on. Look at who his teammates are. So whether that was 
due or appropriate pressure. I think he felt it anyway. And I don't think that was coming from Honda. I just think it was self-imposed because of the positioning he had. If he was a privateer on like a satellite team, you think Club MX, I don't think he would have any pressure at all. I think he would have gone in and just done the best he can. But when you go in as factory Honda, there's just a different, it's just a different thing altogether. And uh, I thought he held up pretty well, getting the good start, staying out of trouble, putting laps together. And I think he learned a lot and I think he'll apply that. Now, where does he fit in the rest of the series? I don't know. You know, top 10 feels pretty right. Um, but you look at the guys in front of him, it's not going to be easy. The J-Marts and the Mosemans and all, those guys are legit. Like they're, they're really good and they're really experienced. So he's not going to be able to just figure it out and beat them super easily. Like that's going to take a lot from him. I think he's capable. He showed he has the speed to do it. He's just going to have to learn and mature and his, uh, the, his mental racecraft will evolve. And uh, yeah, I think when it's all said and done in a couple of years, he's going to be right there. He'll be a podium level guy within the next year or two. That's just how I see it. You know, when you look at the class overall, who's going to still be there? Who's going to move out? You have to think that he is going to be one of the best guys. If he's already a top 10 guy and he's on factory Honda, he gets to practice with Jet and Hunter every day. You, you can already kind of see how that, that growth rate will accelerate. 450 class, as we always do on this podcast, we will jump right into the power rankings. And for those of you who may not have ever listened before, I go through the top 10 and it's a dynamic list. It does change from week to week. I try to keep a little bit of an overall picture, not only from the prior year, this year also a little bit of a trend in there too. I was like, are they trending up? You know, I'm more likely to put a rider higher if I see them improving week to week, like I'll move them alongside it. It doesn't have to be super timely as far as just this weekend, right? If somebody had a bad race, I'm not going to just bump them five spots because they had a bad race. There has to be a little bit more, like just frame out a little bit and kind of see what's going on with their overall trajectory within, uh, you know, within their, this clique of riders. So number 10, I had Dylan Frandis, and, and to that point of, like, I'm not going to eliminate somebody, he DNF'd. He knocked himself out for two minutes on the racetrack, and it was super scary for everybody that was watching. I didn't really know how that was going to turn out. You're, you're hoping for the best. You're hoping that he's going to, you know, snap out of it and jump up, and, and he did, but there was a long, too long of a pause where everybody was very, very nervous there. So I was happy to see him get up, happy to see him – uh, okay. And I, I don't know when he'll race again. I don't know if it'll be Tampa or uh, Oakland or Dallas or what. But when you see somebody down like that and not moving for an extended period of time, I think everybody is holding their breath until uh, until you see him able to get up and get onto, uh, onto that medical mule. Number nine, I had AC and AC is just putting in the laps. I, I like this. I'm okay with this approach. Um, does he want to do better? Of course he does. Uh, AC has been a winning level guy his whole life. And I think it's probably very hard for him to swallow being eight to 11 right now, because he's working his way kind of back to that most weekends, you know, he's getting good starts and then he's dropping back into that battle with Sabachi and Craig and a bunch of guys. So I don't think that's the most fun he's ever had. But I think this is a part of the process. This is what needs to happen. He needs to build a base, get his fitness right. Then everything else is possible. You can 
you know, get used to doing the 21 minute races and all those. So like he sat out for so long, you're, you know, like it's hard to describe how rusty you get. And it, it takes a while to get back into that groove of these are the best guys there are at Supercross and it's not going to come easy. So I am totally okay with how this is going. Just keep putting in the laps during the week, the laps on the weekend. And eventually uh, I think he's going to have a breakout ride and, and maybe it's not for a month, you know, but I think it's going to come. Number eight, I have Joey Savacci and I, I put him ahead of AC this week and I think it's been earned. You look at Joey, his qualifying was much better this weekend. He looks the part. Um, he's a top 10 guy, no question about it to me. And I look at him as he is improving, uh, where some of these guys slid back. Like some of these guys had bad weekends. Joey looked better. Um, so I, I was happy, happy to move him up to, uh, to number eight for this week. Number seven, I have Aaron Plessinger and AP looks really racy. Um, he looks like he's getting better week to week. I don't know if they're working on the bike more or if it's just him gaining confidence, but when you see him at the front, I was trying to think of the right way to put this. He looks like he wants to be at the front. He wants to be racing with the leaders. And not everybody does that. You see guys that get really good starts. They're uneasy with the pace. They're just trying to hold their own. AP's aggressive. Like he wants to move forward when he's like third. Um, and that to me, there's a lot to be uh, noted in their body language and their demeanor when they're around the front are they aggressive or are they just trying to kind of go with the pack and, and hang in there and uh, to me ap looks like he really wants to be pushing forward and he hasn't been able to this fourth was really good this weekend he hasn't been able to get up with the top couple of guys and stay there but you can tell he feels confident enough to want to do that and to me that that's a really important and powerful sign Number six, I have Ken Roxon, and he just had an off day. You know, he even posted in himself. He didn't have a good day or night. Um, he kind of worked backwards, wasn't able to really go or see the leaders, go with or see the leaders. Uh, Ferrandis actually landed on him for that. When they crashed, he landed on the side of him. Um, and I, I wasn't watching their battle, to be fair, but I did see the replay about 30 times. And, um, yeah, th thankfully, Roxon didn't go down too. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't great for the momentum scale for rocks. like, I, I felt like he took a big step forward at a two. Everybody seemed really happy with the program and him and the bike and, and the progression. And it felt like they took a big step back at Houston. So we'll see what he does with that. We'll see if that fires him up for, uh, for Tampa, but it was noticeable. It was, he wasn't on the same level at any point, um, in Houston that he was in a two. Number five, I have Justin Barsha, and Barsha was good. He was better than his results say. Uh, he looked aggressive, and you could tell he was enjoying having more traction to work with. Um, so I liked what I saw from Barsha. It wasn't his best night, right? He got a podium at San Diego. But, um, yeah, I liked what I saw. I liked that he was, he was really trying to push. And that's what I – even if the results don't necessarily tell the story – you can watch guys riding and see how they're feeling about how things are going. Like to me, Roxon looked really tentative, hesitant, um, uncertain about things. Like he's going very fast. Don't get me wrong, but we're talking about Ken Roxon here, right? It's a different conversation. And conversely, like Barsha and Plessinger and a few of these guys looked really aggressive. They looked like the opposite end of that scale. Even if the pace was similar, they looked very different uh, on the racetrack. And that's what I like 
it's like the race within a race type thing. And it speaks to what's kind of going on inside their head uh, as well. Cooper Webb, I have at four and uh, kind of the same as Roxon, kind of a blah type night. Um, he was obviously struggling in the whoops. That was pretty easy to see. And I don't think the whoops are ever going to be a super strong point for him, but he needs to be able to maintain, like he needs to be able to hold his own there. If he wants to battle with Anderson and Sexton and Tomac, because those guys are ripping, right? They're not giving him anything anywhere. Like if, if Webb thinks he can make up time in the corners, which I'm sure he would like to think he's going to have to be somewhat close in the whoops, right? He's not good enough everywhere else to have a big vulnerability because those guys are great everywhere. Like there are, they don't have a weakness right now. And Webb seems to have a weakness in the whoops. And it's not, sometimes it's not enough to derail his night, but sometimes it is. And it felt like Houston was too much for him to overcome. And I'm sure he was really frustrated watching those guys kind of ride away from him. Like they were way out in front of him by the, uh, by the end of the main event. Number three, I have Jason Anderson and uh, he was awesome. Um, really, really great ride. Now, was he as good as Sex and Tomac? No, but he was the best of the rest. And some nights that's going to have to be good enough, I think, because Sexton and Tomac are in that mode of where they were last summer, where they're just turning it up and they're feeding off of each other's pace and they're pushing each other's limit right now. And I don't know, this is going to be a question that Anderson's going to have to answer. I don't know if Anderson can match it. I, I really don't. Um, I don't blame Anderson because I don't think he's doing anything less than he was last year. I think Sexton and Tomac have raised the bar. I think Tomac is better. The bike is better. And Tomac has improved him, his level because the bike is better. And I think Sexton obviously is better. We watch him. We watched him last summer, just go to this new level. And I think Sexton and Tomac have both for different reasons, you know, Sexton just maturing, Tomac with the bike improving. Both of them have gone to a different level. And I don't know that Anderson can go there. Maybe he can. Maybe I'm wrong. And maybe some nights we'll see it. I just think it's going to be a really tall order for him to match those guys because they are they're at a they're at a level right now we don't see very often. Like speed wise, mentally, confidence wise, like they are really doing something special out there. And it's it's awesome. It's we're really fortunate to watch uh what they're doing. So no surprise, I have Sexton at two. I got to spend some time with him after the race talking about the sand section. We filmed it for the uh, post-race show. Um, got some really cool footage, and, and he was really transparent. Like, he didn't hold back. He was really frustrated with himself. He said he went to the outside a couple times, almost crashed, and, and basically had to go back to the inside. And uh, he found this line that actually Barsha was using it, where you go outside and then you exit the outside about three-quarters of the way through and cut back across the inside. Um, and he, he's like, man, if I would saw that line, I would have switched to it, but I didn't know it was there, right? I went outside, wasn't working, so I had to stick to this inside that was really hurting my momentum. And then once Tomac figured out that outside where he was going 2-2, he was gone. Like that, that really changed the whole scope of the race. Like it changed everything about it. And I think when you have a section like that where they're so close everywhere else on the racetrack, it can absolutely change the entire outcome, you know, because it really felt like it was Sexton's race to lose. Like he was, he was closing in on Tomac and, and looking for his spot to pass. 
And then Tomac figures out the sand. Sexton can't figure it out. And that was, that was the difference. Like it, it, it was the determining factor of the race. And um, yeah, it was, it was fun to break that down mid race with uh, Daniel and Ricky, and then also get such great insight from uh, Chase himself after the race. You just, that doesn't, doesn't happen very often. Like those guys don't go walk the track all the time. And typically they're not going to tell you what's going on in their head mid race. Like they're so like guys just get really uptight and, and they don't want to share secrets and that stuff. And uh, it was just a really cool moment for Sexton to be willing to, uh, to share. Tomac of course is one. He deserves to be one. He's your, still your points leader. Um, he's only up what seven over, uh, over Sexton. So no big deal there, but you know, the resiliency he showed by withstanding Sexton's attack, that heat race was insane, right? Sexton just yarded him and mentally, I can guarantee you that Tomac was struggling with that. Like he doesn't get beaten soundly like that, like ever. So he, I think he was, you know, fair in saying uh, on the podium, you know, going back to the heat race, like he was like, man, I, I was, that was tough. That was tough to swallow getting beaten like that. And then you see Sexton just close right up to him in the main event. So the turmoil going on mentally with Tomac had to be just a lot for him to unpack in the middle of the race where, you know, he's constantly saying, where am I losing time? Where am I losing time? And then he withstood it like this surge and he, he was able to hold Sexton at bay. And I think he, he was trying to figure out where can I be better? And then he got that sand dialed. Like he was going in the outside, standing up and then like wheeling across two at a time. And then that was setting him up. He was then angling off the berm and had a straight line at that triple and had so much momentum cutting across the start there. And then that was it. Like Sexton, I think it broke. You know, we use that word a lot around racing. Like he broke him. It's a cycling guys use it all the time. Um, but mentally it just took all of the forward momentum from Sexton away and it changed the entire outlook and outcome of the race. So I give Tomac a ton of credit mentally there. Like we all know how good he is physically and his, his talent, but mentally to be able to play all that out and absorb Sexton's charge and not get rattled and then figure the track out and then pull back away. Um, that was, that was pretty awesome, man. Uh, that, you don't see that every day. And for a guy like Tomac, who in the past, we, you know, I would say has had issues dealing with that kind of stuff mentally. Think about all the weirdo races he had in the past where we're just shrugging our shoulders going, how do you get 10th? Like, how does Eli Tomac get 10th? Um, and to me, those were kind of mental, mental breakdowns and he would get too frustrated with himself. Uh, that was an opportunity for it. Sexton, I thought, had a chance to really play mental games there and Tomac, kind of just return serve. So great job. Great job uh, from Eli there. And he's, uh, that's why he's your number one. Honorable mentions. I have Christian Craig. He's still right outside the top 10, but he's looking a little better. Um, I expect more. I really do. Um, but he is riding pretty well. He just needs, I think he needs things to go his way. And then uh, Dino and, and Colt Nichols are just right outside the top 10, but man, the class is super deep. So it doesn't feel like they're, doing all that well or overperforming. Um, but then you look at the lineup and the results and you're like, well, where, where do they slot in? You know, maybe you could make the argument that they should be right there with Savachi. I guess that's fair. Um, but I think they're riding better than, uh, you know, you could say like he's a 12th place guy. In this field right now, 12th place is pretty tough. 
you know, at the end of the season, maybe that looks different. You get some injuries in there. You know, last year, 12th definitely wasn't what 12th is this year. So it's easy to look back and go, well, Clayson and those guys were 12th every week. Yeah, but it's a different feel right now. Like you, ha- you don't have all these injuries and we'll see how long Ferrandis is out. And some of these things like injuries, it seems like they come in waves, right? So thankfully the field is pretty healthy right now. But you lose two, three, four, five guys, and everything changes really, really quickly. Like the 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 you know how the field looks and the depth of it. You get all these a bunch more privateers in the main events, and it just has a different look and uh, I guess vibe to it. Um, but right now, the, it's really top heavy. Like the top ten is just super deep. You know, Cincerillo is just battling to stay inside the top ten right now. So that should tell you. Um, I did not put Justin Cooper in my top ten yet. Uh, one race. Yes, he was awesome. Great job from him. But I didn't put him in yet. I'm just, I just want to see a little bit more. Back it up, you know, this coming weekend. And uh, I think he'll he'll find himself a home there. So um, I did want to give him credit. I didn't talk about him a lot. But I, it was a really, really impressive ride uh, from Justin Cooper. So that's it for this week. Uh, we're off to Tampa this coming weekend. Home race for me. Um, should be really great. The, the weather does look a little, a little iffy, though. Um, we'll see if, if rain does indeed develop, that could be pretty nasty. Um, we're obviously outside and the Tampa clay is really hard. It's like this white, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like gumbo-y. And if it rains, it will be absolutely horrific. Um, so just something to keep in mind. They'll keep the track covered, I'm sure. But if it rains, you know, in that five o'clock to 10 o'clock window at night, there's nothing they can do about it. We're just going to have a mud race. So, uh, yeah, just something to think about a little bit. We haven't had a mud race in, uh, in a while. A1 was difficult, but not muddy. Um, maybe we get our first one. So thanks, everybody. Thank you to all the sponsors. And uh, we will talk to you next weekend.